wonder if that's when it started recording. That would have been fun. I think it is. I think the first thing we're going to hear is some pretty sweet vocal warm-ups. Well, you know, I my body is my instrument, Reagan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to keep it tuned and ready to go, mm-hmm. which is why I'm eating 5 o'clock waffles. You know? Almost 6 o'clock waffles. So it's Real close. Different. Real close to 6 o'clock waffles. Um, fun fact about me, I'm currently staring at my... I don't, have we recorded since this? Maybe not. I don't know that we have at my t-shirt of Libby Riddles that fucking Caitlin Skavork got for me. Caitlin Buxbaum. Sorry. I I know her by a, another name. Um, get it together. Get it together. Uh, it's so beautiful. And it's, it's like. so beautiful. It's untouched, dude. So for anybody who does not follow our Instagram, uh, first of all, fuck off. Second of all, <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, Caitlin got me the t-shirt that we were talking about with Libby Riddles that says Alaska where men are men and women win the Iditarod. She got it off of eBay and it's in like stellar condition. I mean, Libby Riddles won in 1986. So this t-shirt is like, what's, what's math? Like 35 years old. Is that, that's closer. Whatever. It's fine. It's not a math podcast. Just um it's like it's beautiful though I mean it looks like it's never been washed like I bet I bet this is somebody who had like a box of these Mm. somewhere because like I don't think it's ever been worn apparently which is amazing Colby Bleicher has one in another design yeah when we posted on the Instagram she commented she was like oh my god I have one of these but does that yeah yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to text Colby and be like, please send me a photo of this. Cause I want to see know. every design. Cause this one is so cute. She's it's... like snuggling her dogs. And I, I think I posted that photo. Yeah, you did. Her with her dogs. Yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah. It's so oh. good. Oh, no. it's oh my God. I'm going to say so many things about you. I can I'm going to talk so much. Oh shit. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> These are really big headphones. <laughs> When I couldn't find my headphones, Hunter for Christmas got Evan like big like like gamer headphones because whenever mm-hmm. they play Halo, Evan just uses my little podcast mic and like his dinky headphones. And Hunter's like, yeah, it's annoying to me. So this is a Merry Christmas to you, but also it's helpful for me because it's less irritating. And <laughs> and so when I couldn't find my headphones, Evan was like, I mean, you could use these. I was like, these are the size of my head. <laughs> Thank you very much. But I really like wearing these. Um... I really liked wearing these whenever I was commuting because far it's not zero. The number is not zero, but fewer people tried to talk to me. Yeah. Um, And it's way easier to be like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not, I'm not interested for those who can't see. I have very large like beats over the head. Big old headphones, big old headphones. And so it's very obvious that like I am, preoccupied and do not want you in my bubble. Thank you. Goodbye. Do you know what you should say to all of those people who are like, let me talk to you while you have headphones on. What? You should say, welcome to babe town. <laughs> That's what you should say. Three things. First, yes. Well yes. Played. Truly well played. That was, well thank done. you. Thank you. I did not see it coming. Second. I'm so glad. Um, I, we bought a car so that we don't have to commute on the dirty, dirty public transit. That's true. 
people breathing everywhere. And so many people still ride the bus without a mask. And I'm like, gross, get out of here. Honestly, I kind of forgot that like public transit was still a thing. Because that's not a thing in Alaska at all. So I kind of was just like, oh, that's probably not still a thing. Because why would it be? Because that's disgusting. Because for a lot of people, that's the only way that they have to get around. You know. I know. I know. I mean, that would be me if I lived in Chicago. That's I would be. Yeah. I'm very glad that we took our um, first round of stimulus and did like a down payment on a used car and yeah. made that switch. It was one of the best decisions we've ever made. Uh, third yeah. thing. Yeah. I love the idea of with zero context, <laughs> a stranger being like, Hey, I'm going to try and talk to you. And I just go, welcome to babe town. I feel like, and yeah, that's, that's like your I own. Love it. It's like flipping a pickup line around, I love you know, it. and making it like really aggressive at another person and then just walking away and then they're, leaving. They're just, they're, just, they're like, but I want to be welcome to Babetown. What? Come What's back. <laughs> and then they Google, and that's when we get really big. That's, that's when the podcast, like, explodes. Yeah, it's because I'm aggressively telling people with no context on the train, welcome to yeah. Babetown. Yeah. Although, to be fair, in most cases, I couldn't walk away because we would still be on the train. Right, because you're on a train or right. a bus. But, you know, we're, we're troubleshooting. We're, you know, brainstorming. We are problem solvers. We are solving problems. Left and right. And also sometimes center. Occasionally center. Sometimes. Sometimes they're right behind you and you have to flip around and be like, whoa. Yeah. A problem. Let me solve it. I got it. I'm on it. Solved. It's great. It's great. Um, But thank you. I feel so welcomed. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What beer are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking an Alaskan white. Ooh. 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 Look at that polar bear. What are you drinking? I have me a little a little gin. Ooh. Got some vermouth over the weekend, so I got a little dry gin martini with a little, little twist. That sounds great. Um. Anyway, so do you want to do this thing? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I know. We're Welcome. 30 minutes in. <laughs> this is a podcast. We like to talk about ladies and alcohol. It's wild. It's basically all that we do or care about. So, yeah, it's fine. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm going first. I'm confident you're going first. Um, what year was your babe born? Um, pra- I think around 1959. Yes, I am going first. By quite a lot, actually. Um, first of all, hang on. Um, okay, Reagan. Have you ever heard of Anna? Possible it's Anna, but I'm not. Anna Atkins. I have not. Unless right. she started the Atkins diet. No. Did not. Good. Did not. Good. Um, okay, cool. So she was born March 16th, 1799 in Tonbridge, Kent, England. Okay. Her mom died shortly after childbirth. Um, As far as I can tell, she was an only child. So that meant that she was super tight with her dad. And her dad is the best. He's the best. So his name was John George Children. So there's lots of like, because it's the 1700s in England. So like, there's a shitload of Johns in this story. So we're just going to call him her dad. 
because it's okay. here. So Great. he was a chemist, a mineralogist, and a zoologist. Ooh. Which just makes me think that he's like The Rock, because you know, like in any rock movie, The Rock is always like some sort of really specific profession for whatever he's going to be fighting. Like we just watched Rampage. We've been on like a kick of rock movies because. This is telling me that I have watched zero rock movies other than, um, like, Moana. Please change that immediately. We watched Skyscraper. You Reagan. told me about that one. Reagan, he holds a bridge up with his arms. I know, but I... It's, mm. it's so excellent. Anyway, he, it's always very specific. Like, like in, in Rampage, where he's fighting a giant gorilla, he is a primatologist and geneticist. <laughs> Because, like, of course, of course he is. So, anyway, her dad is the rock. That's what I'm getting at. Her dad likes um, nature, is what I understood. Because he is the rock. Okay. So, that's all I'm saying. I'm, right. I don't want to... It's fine. Um, so, her dad was the secretary at the Royal Society. Um, he works at the British Museum. Like, he's super involved. Um, she used to illustrate his work for him. So, back in the day... There was not photography. There was just people drawing with their hands. That's and true. And so, like, for like, but like for sciencey shit, that just makes me laugh so much. It just makes me laugh. You just have to trust that like your artist is really fucking good. And like, luckily she was. So she. I mean, there is a way to vet people like that. It wasn't just like. Draw. I mean, when I, I guess that's true. You could be like, look at this bug, draw it. <laughs> look at that. Look, draw, draw me. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like, like a game of telephone yeah it's just a scientific game of telephone <laughs> they're not all just like police sketch artists back in the day that they're just like i hope they're right like there's ways to test if you can draw things without right. a photo okay that's fair that's fair and especially like for him because he's like doing like nature shit you know so he was like look at this leaf and she was like cool i'll draw it so but instead of <laughs> instead of leaves it's shells it's like seashells and stuff okay. so there's all these photos, too, of, like, the, I mean, they're really good. Like, they're really intricate drawings of shells that she did for her dad. And it's just, the whole thing is just so cute to me. I just love the idea of him, like, translating this book and being, like, draw this seashell. And she's like, all right, cool. That's what I, it's just, uh, it's just adorable. And especially because it's, like, she's, at this point, she's, like, 18 to 20. It's not like she's, like, a, I mean, obviously, because, like, why would you want a six-year-old drawing? I'm spiraling. It's fine. Maybe she is a <laughs> prodigy. You don't know. <laughs> I did not expect this one to be the one that I just giggled <laughs> through when I was doing it. Um, okay. So, so working with him, though, she draws up to 256 scientifically accurate drawings of seashells, which, like, I didn't know there were almost 300 different kinds of seashells. Do you know who did? Fucking Anna Atkins knew that. And her dad, The Rock. And her dad, The Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's one of those questions that if somebody was like, how many types of seashells are there in the sea? I'd be like 50 or 5,000. I have There's no no way to know. There's no way to know. There's never been a study done about that. (laughs) Nobody knows. Um, So all of those drawings are now held at the National History Museum in London. So you can go see them. They're very cute. Um, when she was 25, she marries this dude named John Pelly Atkins. Um, that's literally all that you need to know about him. He existed. That's it. Um, he was a wealthy merchant 
And so suddenly when she got married, she was wealthy. Although I don't think that she was poor to begin with. Like her dad worked at the, like worked for the British museum, but suddenly she's super wealthy. And so she can kind of do whatever the shit she wants. And for Anna living her best self care life, she's like, I'm going to get really into botany. So she just starts wandering around the English seaside seasides collecting seashells and seaweed and being like this is nature and plants <laughs> she reminds me of the plant version of the british lady that drew dinosaur fossils yep yep mary anning that's the name very yes. similar yep big mary anning vibes um so she I have to just get through all of my bullshit notes because, like, so many of these things were like, lols, he's the rock. <laughs> um, okay, so she believed that the visual appearance of plants had, quote, both botanical importance and aesthetic interest, which is, like, such a fancy way of being, like, plants look pretty because reasons. So yeah. she was like, I'm going to figure out these reasons. And also maybe we can, like, just, like, have plants in our homes because they look nice, which is cool. Huge fan of that. Big fan of that. Um, so her dad, too, because he's so well-connected and, like, so hyped about everything that she's doing, he's like, hey, all of my influential friends, this is my kid. Look at my kid and look at how cool she is. So he starts, like, showing off all of her botanical shit to people at the Royal Botanical Society. Um, so he starts talking about her samples and talking about, like, her theories behind botany and, like, how she's going to, you know, continue her botanical career. And he's doing this to, like, some of the best English scientists of the day. So, like, he tells William Hooker about it, who is the director of the Royal Botanical Gardens at Kew, which is still, like, a huge botanical gardens. Um, he tells Sir John Herschel, another one. Herschel, though, is, like, in the story a lot, so we'll, like, actually call him John, um, who was described as the most famous scientist in England. Wow. I don't really know how you measure that, but he was, and it was him. He measured it, and he figured it out, and it was him. And he was like, oh, it's me. Um, because science. He also tells William Henry Fox Talbot, which is, like, what a name. That um, is British. British. Yeah, to the extreme. Um, and Talbot was the inventor, the British inventor is how he kept being described in all of these articles. <laughs> the British inventor, which... Tells me that it was probably a similar thing to like Alexander Graham Bell, where he made the telephone at the same time as somebody else who made the telephone. And we just know him as the guy who made the telephone. It tells me that it's like a American centric article, like it's written from an American perspective, kind of like how it's a female scientist instead of a scientist. You know? Yes. Yes. But I think that it. I don't know, maybe. I, I thought it as like, oh, maybe it got invented in England and somewhere else at around the same time. So maybe. he's the British inventor of it. Whatever. Either what way. What did he invent? The negative positive photography method. Ooh. So, um, so fun fact about John Herschel, the most famous scientist in England, he also had developed a photography method that was very different called a cyanotype. And so these two people that her dad is like bragging about her to are both early, early, early photographers. And Anna's like, wait a minute, I've been fucking drawing these things by hand. I bet 
we could figure out a way to like take a picture of them so that they're super accurate and then I don't have to do this shit. And so she was like pretty quickly like, hey, you guys, photography could be huge for the scientific world. So she starts learning about photography from both of them, from both William Talbot and John Herschel. Um, so in 1841, her and her dad, cause like the whole time her dad's like, well, wow, like this is pretty cool. Like I want to be in on this. And she's like, yeah, get in here. So her and her dad are like, Hey, this is really cool. We're going to try and figure out how to recreate your photographic method. And William Talbot's like, great, get after it. So they couldn't really, they like, didn't really, you know, figure it out great, I guess. So Anna ends up focusing more and figuring out more the cyanotype, which is the one that John Herschel made. Um, it was a different style of photography. John Herschel's like, listen, this is what you do. So you, you take, it's basically paper that you like soak in different chemicals and then you put the thing that you want to take a photo of, quote unquote, on top of it and then you let it out in the sun <laughs> and everything that's not covered up by the thing turns bright blue. And so then you get this like, it's less of like a photo and more of like a detailed outline. So if things for like seashells, it doesn't really work great, but like seaweed works great. So okay. um, it was the basis and the namesake of blueprinting, fun fact. Ooh. Because it turns your whole paper blue. Um, but so Herschel's method, I guess, I guess like back in the day in early photography, there were basically like recipes on how to make photos. So they would be published in magazines, just like recipes now of like, hey, get this kind of paper, soak it in these chemicals, do this. And all of the magazines got his method wrong. So nobody could figure out, like nobody could perfect it. There were like, every magazine had like a little bit, it was like a little bit different in all of them. So Herschel right. was kind of the only person who was like great at it. Mm. And because Anna was learning from him, she then was great at it. So she was like one of the only people who like knew how to actually do it. So she ends up using cyanotyping to record every specimen of algae found on the British Isles. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So 1843, she produces her first full, well, the first part of her body of work called British algae cyanotype impressions. Um, and then she kept adding to it. So within seven years, she had added 12 more parts to it. And three years after that, so after 10 years, she completed the entire thing. Um, she captioned and took 389 photographs. It was the first book to ever include photos, ever. Um, there are thought to only be 20 copies of it remaining because she sent them to friends and like scientific colleagues and yeah. people in the botanical world but she didn't it wasn't like a book book where it was sell, where it was bound so she yeah. sent them like slides of the photos so you had to self-assemble it so there's only like 20 copies left because some pieces some people only got some of it and some people got all of it but in they put it together in different orders or they didn't put in some of them hmm. um there's only 15 complete books wow. left each one was self-produced by Anna. She signed every one of them. Um, they were given to friends, colleagues. Uh, the bad news, though, 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 the bad <laughs> news, though, was that it had basically no impact. Like, 
she was like, hey, look at how cool this is. And the scientific community was like, okay, all right. Uh. Worse, because Anna is one of those people that we were talking about that was not looking for fame, Mm -hmm. she signed the book AA, which, like, her initials, but then it got turned into anonymous amateur. So people okay. just thought okay. people just thought it was just somebody who had figured out this cyanotype, which is true. I mean, she wasn't a like she didn't like go to school to be a scientist. She Sorry, technically was an amateur, but invented the photography. Right. Yeah. And she's been doing this since she's 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, so she continues using cyanotype for both botany and photography. Also, also I'm sorry to interrupt. Please do. Could she have even gone to school for science? Probably not. As a woman of the early 1800s? No, probably not. Um, She, so she starts using cyanotype for, like, science, but also just for photography. So she started taking photos, quote unquote, of, like, lace and feathers and just, like, pretty things that will make, like, cute outlines. Um, Eventually, there's a new method for botanists uh, that could then reveal textures. So then the cyanotype kind of... faded because you're just making outlines basically um so she unfortunately died in scientific obscurity in 1871 but then 18 years later in 1889 a man named william lang he's giving a lecture to the philosophical society of glasgow and he finally is the one to id her as the author of british algae so um in 2018 the new york public library had an exhibition where they had copies they had their copy of photographs of British algae that was on display. And it was the one that she gave to Herschel himself, which is really uh, cool. I know. Um, so the last little thing about it, um, Joshua Chuang, I think is how you say it. I hope I'm not super butchering that. He's the co-curator of the uh, public library's exhibition. And he said, quote, the book that she created is not only handmade, but there are no two copies that are alike. It's almost impossible to know what's complete. And that's true of what we know about her life. It's a story that's constantly in formation. Wow. Josh. And that's Anna Atkins, the first woman to be credited as a photographer. Wow. Technically, so like some people say that um, that William Talbot's wife is the first person to actually the first woman to actually take a photograph, but none of her things survived and nobody really knows for sure that she actually took a photo. People are just like, well, she's married to the guy who did it. So like she probably did. But anyway, Anna is like the first one that we like know for sure. (laughs) Took a photo. And she made a book. So, right. Yeah. Like a really super detailed book. That's really cool. I just love the idea that there's, I know it's so cute. The whole thing is just so cute. And I love that there's that it's like some assembly required. So it's like the Ikea of photography books. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cute. I love it. She's so cute. Um, wow. Yeah. And like her photos. Thanks. Her photos. I can't wait to look up the photos. She's just like, I mean, she just looks like this, like. Old prim. <laughs> English lady. Yeah. It's like maybe she was, but like also she's like taking photos of lace. Cute. (laughs) So cute. Um, So to source my shit real quick, um, 
a mental floss article, actually. Nice. It was excellent. Um, called How 19th Century Photographer Anna Atkins Changed the Way We Look at Science, written by Kat Long. Um, the Natural History Museum of London has a website about her, written by Carrie Lotsoff, called Anna Atkins Cyanotypes, the first book of photographs, Britannica.com, mm-hmm. and uh, the MoMA website, Museum of Fine Nice. Yeah. Very cool story. Cool lady. Also, I'm really happy that you had a lighthearted, joyful lady. I know. I was really looking for one. My lady is great, but the story is a bit of a bummer. Yeah. You had given me that heads up, and so I was specifically looking for, yeah. like, like a fun lady that has the rock as a dad. <laughs> you Google, like, what lady in history <laughs> had essentially Dwayne the Rock Johnson as her father for search? <laughs> And they're like, Anna Atkins. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's basically exactly how it went down. Amazing. Okay. Well, sit back, relax as much as possible. Maybe crack okay. open another beer. Okay. Here we go. Taylor, okay. I am going to tell you the story. And I have tried to find out how to pronounce her last name. And I cannot find it. And I'm positive I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I do it with no disrespect. I am doing my best. Um, I'm going to tell you the story of Teresa Kachindamoto. Okay. So, uh, as of an article written in August 2019, it said the 60-year-old, so I'm assuming she was born in 1959. Okay, that makes sense. Somewhere aroundabouts. Um, so Teresa was born into a family of, like, the blood chiefs, who are traditional leaders in Africa. Okay. But she was the youngest of 12. She was a woman and mother to five boys. So she was like, I'm not going to rule anything. I have no aspirations to rule anything. Like, she didn't want to be chief. She didn't expect to be chief. Yeah. So she worked for, I I know nothing about her young life. Okay. She worked for 27 years as a college secretary in Zomba, which is a southern district of Malawi, Africa. And then one day she got a call. And that she had been elected and they wanted her in Monkey Bay in the Desda district around Lake Malawi, which I'm assuming is kind of the capital. Okay. And they elected her senior chief over 900,000 people. Wow. Right? That seems like a thing that that you should be aware of is happening before it happens. Eh. (laughs) Like... Like, that seems like, like a huge life change. It real quick. sure is. Yeah. And she she believes she was chosen, and I agree with her, because she's good with people. And she was like, honestly, like, I think I think I was just chosen because I'm good with people, and I think she's right. So she, she talks about how they elected her like it was a done deal. Like, they call, she's chief for life, the end. Like, casual. There's, there's no, like, but I don't want, it's just like, okay. <laughs> Yep. Um, so wow. she puts on the traditional robes, the beads. She starts traveling around meeting her people. So as far as I can tell, this is the hierarchy of Malawi government. Okay. So she's in charge of 50, no, 551 headmen. And so I think the headmen rule over individual, not rule, but like, look after individual villages. Okay. 
And then the sub-chiefs are over multiple headmen. And then there's a senior chief over the sub-chiefs. Okay. But then there's parliament that does civil law. And the chiefs do tribal law. Okay. That's what I understand. So she's a senior chief in Malawi with 50 sub-chiefs and 551 headmen in her little tree of ruling. Um, It's not total control, but it's definitely a form of huge control. Yeah. I think. I apologize (laughs) deeply if I got all of that wrong. So she's touring around. She's meeting her people. She's literally going door to door in these villages. And she keeps seeing more and more young girls. We're talking 12 years old with a baby and a teenage husband. And she said, quote, when I came here, I saw a lot of girls about 12, 13, 14, having two children. This is why I got angry because they're too young for having a baby. So that's why I said, no, this is too much. I must do something. If the village headman allows a girl to be married, I dismiss him completely. Love her. So in, in 2015, Malawi's parliament passed a law forbidding marriage under the age of 18. Sounds great. But under the traditional law, uh, under the customary law of traditional authorities, Malawian children could still be married with parental consent. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people say, like, the police don't really intervene because community backlash is so strong. Like, that is what the community does. And it's just accepted that this is, like, what happens. So the parents are all like, it's better for the girls to get married because we're in poverty and she's just a financial burden. We can't, you know, they yeah. have, they they fully believe that it's better to marry her off. So some women in these towns and villages have formed a group of mothers. Um, I think they're literally called the mother's group. Um, and anyway, they're this group trying to convince parents to abolish the practice of child marriage and basically they keep, they just say like, no, like it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah. Nobody's listening to us. And most families try to marry their daughters as quickly as possible because they can't afford them much less an education. And I looked it up and most families at this time in this place, in this situation are living on $11 a month. Oh my goodness. So that's the level of financial Probably. strain that yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but traditionally a girl being prepared to marry in Malawi is chock full of a bunch of trauma. Right. And I'm going to real quick, just issue a big old trigger warning. Um, I would skip the next three, four or five minutes. I don't know how long exactly I didn't measure it out, but like I would skip the next little bit. Um, if you would not like to hear about it, cause there, there are discussions of child rape and incest and it's really, really dark and heavy. Um, wow. but I think it's important to have the context for just how huge it is. The work that Teresa's doing. Yeah. So anyway, trigger warning, jump ahead. So when a girl in these areas is being prepared for marriage. Basically the second she gets her first period, she is sent to a camp called Kusasa Fumbi, which means cleansing. 
They teach the girls how to entice men, how to sexually please men. And it's pretty common for quote unquote graduation to include having sex with the teacher. Wow. Some of the girls manage to get out of the camps untouched only to return home where their parents have hired a man to quote unquote cleanse her sexually, which let's be very clear means rape Mm -hmm. Um, or for some prospective husband to try and impregnate her and therefore claim her for himself. So it's really a lose, 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 lose. Yeah. Um, In a country where HIV infection rate is 10%, it's doubly traumatizing as a lot of these rituals rarely involve condoms and therefore expose these literal actual children to lifetime trauma, often an early death. And a lot of times on top of that, these girls become pregnant. Their bodies are too small to give birth. So they have early C-sections. Their bodies are torn apart. It's just horrible everywhere around. It's horrible. So Teresa, Chief Kachinamoto, was seeing girls as young as seven being forced through this. And then when they survive that, they often get a husband who beats them or they die in childbirth. So she was like, no, fuck this. No more. She said, quote, I said to the chiefs that this must stop or I will dismiss them. Whether you like it or not, I want these marriages to be terminated. Thankfully, in some places, growing awareness of HIV and AIDS has become too less has helped lessen some of the practices, but not completely. A lot of chiefs still believe in cleansing. Rape, assault, it's not B. Yeah. Okay. And to complicate matters, um, these girls are taught from a very young age that having sex with a man will cleanse them and prepare them. And also it's common practice that if a man is sick and has sex with a virgin, he'll be cured. So for a bajillion bogus reasons, all of these girls truly believe that they want this. Yeah. Which again, we're talking about children aged like seven to 15, seven to 12. Yeah. Who believe what their parents and elders and chiefs tell them because they're children. So like they may say they want it, but it's still abuse. Right. And they may, all the articles that I read made it very clear. It does not just affect girls. It affects girls more, but boys are also being sent into these child marriages And studies have shown recently that the vast majority of abusers are people close to the children, people they trust, fathers, stepfathers, uncles, etc. Some traditions promote sexual abuse within the family. If a girl's aunt or older sister falls sick, she can be sent to look over after the household, which includes, quote unquote, taking care of the husband, which might be her uncle or stepbrother or whatever. Wow. And the organization that admitted that information wanted to do so anonymously so that they wouldn't be targeted. And it's like, if you know that it's wrong, right. Stop it. Right. You know, like if, if you don't want to own up to what you're doing because you know that people would attack you because you know that it's wrong, maybe don't do it. So basically these kids are conditioned to believe that their body is not their own. They're expected to give it freely to whoever wants it. Obviously, most of them drop out of the school. Many of them become sex workers. Many of them contract and spread diseases. So, back to Kachinamoto. Chief Kachinamoto, excuse me. 
So she works with the mother's group and she's literally going door to door to see if there are pregnant children and if girls are being pulled out of school and they're trying to spread awareness and education that like education is the answer and will end up helping the economy in the long run. But all these families are like, how does losing more money now help me gain more money later? And they also believe that as the mother of five boys, she has no right to interfere or comment on how they raise their daughters. She was never a daughter. Right. Not a, not a once. Right. So she's like, okay, fine. And if also like, it goes so far beyond how to raise my daughter and so much more into having empathy for actual children. Literal, actual, children. literal, small children. Um, so she's like, fine, if I can't change your mind, I can change the law. So mm. she's got these 50 sub chiefs under her and she got them all to sign a law that child marriage would be abolished under traditional law and that any current marriages would be annulled and those girls would be sent back to school. Wow. She found that certain jurisdictions under four of those sub chiefs still had child marriages occurring. And so she fired all of them. That obviously clued them in that she was for real. They went home to their villages, their areas, broke up the child marriages, made everybody follow the law, came back, asked for their jobs back. And so she sent people into their villages to confirm that they actually had done what they said they'd done. Yeah. And once they came back and they were like, yes, the kids are in school. The marriages have ended. Blah, blah, blah. She was like, okay, you can have your jobs back. Wow. So then she goes to Parliament and is trying to do the same thing, trying to get the civil law changed. I don't fully understand the difference in tribal and civil law, but I know that she wanted the practice eradicated completely. Because yeah. she's in charge of tribal law and yes. not civil law. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, obviously, there's backlash. She starts receiving threats of all kinds. She starts getting death threats. Yeah, so how is... I don't know if you will know the answer to this, but like how common is it for her to like be dealing with other women? Um, like are there, are there women in parliament or is it like her and like a sea of dudes? It's mostly a sea of dudes with like some women in parliament. Okay. Tribally the, the, I don't know this for sure, but the impression that I got was that tribally it was mostly men. And then okay. there's some women in parliament that she's working with, but mostly she was working with the mother's group to yeah. like go door to door and talk to people. Yeah. Um, so her whole attitude towards these death threats is like, fine, do whatever you want. These kids are going back to school. Yeah. I don't give a shit. So in three years, she broke up 850 child marriages and sent every single boy and girl back to school. As Wait, of 850 marriages. So that's marriages. So it's double number of kids. Yeah. In 2019, the total number of marriages was up to a thousand. To date, it is over 3,500 marriages that she has ended and sent those kids back to school. And when the families can't pay for it, she fundraises or she pays the fees herself. Um, she has started a group called Secret Mothers and Secret Fathers who go into villages and personally ensure that parents aren't secretly pulling their kids back out of school. And so that she's got all these like spies going around being like, so how's life? Are your kids in school? Wow. <laughs> um, she's still going door to door. She's having conversations with parents and still getting threats and insults. And she's just 
shrugging them off because what do you, you know? Yeah. Uh, and she said, after all, the law is the law. Uh, <laughs> quote, changing attitudes and behaviors takes time, particularly with male chiefs and parents who benefit from arranged child and forced marriages. Wow. I can only imagine. Did she, so wait, did she end up getting Parliament to change the law? So, she did. Oh, am I skipping ahead? I mean, I had no idea how to, like, form this into a story. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Um, so, in 2017, an amendment was passed that changed the age of marriage from 15 to 18. She's currently asking Parliament to raise the minimum age from 18 to 21. Um, that has not passed yet, but they did pass a bylaw that prohibited the sexual cleansing camp. So, yeah, progress. progress. She keeps facilitating female politicians traveling to the villages and speaking. And whenever they do, the girls get really excited about learning English because that's the language spoken in Parliament. Um, and so then she'll bring groups of girls into the major cities to see the lights and see the, you know, everything. And be like, this is a completely different world from everything they've ever known. Yeah. And so more and more girls are showing a very distinct interest in education. So they've, cons- they've started constructing hostels near the schools for the girls that have to travel really far to reach them. They can just stay in the hostels and go to school. It's really cool. Wow. Um, so she said that she sees the girls of dead's, Dedza as free from early child marriage and as women of Malawi who can now determine their future, which uh, I just, I love this woman so much. Yeah. Her determination and patience of like, you can do whatever you want to me. I will make sure these girls have a future. Yeah. And as We've talked about in story after story after story, if you invest in educating girls and moving toward equality, the entire society benefits. Right. You know, because, you know, women are half of your population. And so smart. Yeah. Yeah. She said, quote, if they are educated, they can be and have whatever they want. Um, she firmly believed that this will help break the cycle of poverty and to everybody who disagreed, she was essentially like tough titties. Yeah. <laughs> she said, quote, I'm chief until I die. Like, Amazing. like what do you want? Uh, all of this has earned her the nickname, the Terminator of Child Marriages. And she said, if you educate your girl, you will have edu- everything in the future. Wow. Also, Amazing. that's like the best nickname you could possibly ever have. In the world. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, March 8th, 2017, she received a Leadership and Public Life Award at the 16th Annual Vital Voices Global Partnership Award in D.C. Wow. And that is the story of Teresa Kachinimoto, the Terminator of Child Marriages. Chief. Wow. Teresa. Chief. Senior Chief. Mm. Teresa, excuse me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Super good work. Some tough topic some tough content but like very important work you know yeah um to source my shit there was an incredible article that kind of kicked off everything written by hannah mcneish for al jazeera uh there was an article by 
Camilla Soldati on LifeGate called Teresa Kachinamoto, the woman who saves girl, girls from child marriage in Malawi. Unfortunately, that article was categorized under the gender section. And I was like, hi, this is super relevant to everyone always. To everybody what? And I keep reading articles about like, hey, if you're a father or a mother to a male child, read them stories about women. Because right. it's not just, anyway. Right. Um, Vital Voices Global Partnership, Wikipedia, and UNWomen.org, who, if it were not for UN Women, she may not have been able to get Parliament to pass the law. Because she told, like, she went to UN Women and they were like, hi, this needs to happen. And so they were super influential in, like, advocating for her in Parliament to oh. raise the marriage age. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. The end. Well, not the end, because she's still alive and freaking kicking, so... Dude. She's terminating left and right. Wow. Right? That was great. It was... I mean, great is the wrong word for it. No, but I think she is great. Great in that lady. Yeah. Horrible that she has to be great in that way. But I... I but thank God that she is. <laughs> thank fucking God that she is. Yeah. And... I, at the end of almost every single article, you know, when it's like, here's some articles you might like or whatever, all of them were like child marriage in India, child marriage in China, child marriage. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, we have so much work to do. Like so much, so much. But thankfully, there are people in authority who are like, hey, no. Yeah. Yeah. So that's dope. Wow. Yeah, lady. sorry to bring the mood down a bit, but she's dope as hell, so. Yeah. Do you have a babe? Oh, I do have a babe. It's a short and has been my babe before, but uh, my babe is definitely gross Evan Dodd. Oh, I, I forgot to say, who's your non-Stacey Abrams babe of the week? My non-Stacey Abrams babe of the week, absolutely, <laughs> is Evan Dodd. Because, first coming, of all, coming. by the time it comes out, it's going to be his birthday. Hard eyes. So... Hard what eyes. day is this? His birthday is on Monday. He's the best. It's just been great. Like it's, I mean, like the the uh, last week <laughs> has been just yeah so much, and it's just been really nice to like have him here to like bounce all of my brain off of. Yeah. Um. And, like, yesterday, like, uh, there's a split pea soup restaurant in California that I'm obsessed with. Like, it's my favorite soup, and Joanna knows it. And she texted me that they are going out of business and mm-hmm. that they are – well, that they're going to still have the restaurant in some capacity one way or another, but they're selling the property. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And um, – I was bummed about it. And I told Evan, I was like, man, I think Anderson's is like no more. And he was like kind of quiet for a minute. And then he goes, he was like behind me on his computer. And he goes, do you need, do you need one case or two cases? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, I'm ordering you soup. (laughs) So it was just like, I don't know. It was just like shit like that. It's just, yeah. I'm just a big fan. That's the best. I'm a big fan of him. And it's almost his birthday. I'm like, he doesn't listen to the podcast and he doesn't have social media. So like, I'm going to tell the whole world. He has 
a fucking birthday coming up. He keeps being like, it's just a day. It's fine. I'm like, bitch, shut up. I did that in middle school. Shut up. Shut up. I told him today that he can stop having birthdays when I'm dead. (laughs) Fair. But as long as I'm alive, I'm going to celebrate his birthday. So once I'm dead, then he can have birthdays. That's fine. I mean, he can stop having birthdays. But Trevor's is also this month. And I was asking him, like, what do you want to do? And he was like, nothing. I literally, I want to lay horizontal all day. Yeah. It's like, I feel that deal. Sounds great. Who's your babe? Who's your non-Stacey Abrams babe of the week? My non-Stacey Abrams babe. I kind of have two again. Sorry, not sorry. Um, The first one is uh, Hannah Gadsby, the comedian. Yeah. I just watched Nanette last night. And holy shit, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I have never loved a stand-up piece more. For those who have not watched it, it's on Netflix. Please go watch Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, especially if you are a straight, white, cisgender male. Um, she is incredibly funny. And the realest human I've ever seen on stage. She, like, she uses jokes as a way to open the audience up to her story and then it gets incredibly real at the end and she's like hey this is not these are not jokes this is not funny because I am fucking angry and this is why I'm angry and it was so good oh so good um yeah I'm just kind of in awe of it so everyone please go watch that on Netflix it's just it's an hour (laughs) just do it um, my other non-Stacey Abrams babe of the week is I is an author of the book I'm reading because this is a theme for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading this book called Braiding Sweetgrass, and it is by Robin Wall Kimmerer, and she is an indigenous woman of Potawatomi Nation, and the book is essentially boiled down why nature is so important to indigenous culture. Oh man. It is the most beautiful book I've ever read. I bet. The quote, the only quote, you know how books on the front are like stellar, a fantastic depiction of whatever. The only one on the front of this book is I'm, I'm not going to correct, but it's basically like, a hymn of love to nature or a hymn of love to the earth or something like that. It's just, yeah. it's, she's a poet and a botanist. And so I was thinking about her the whole time. Oh, we were talking about Anna. And so she basically, she tells stories of her life, of her parents' life, of people she's interacted with. And in these stories, she talks about how plants work, like the minutia of how plants work. And then it's like the lesson of the strawberry, the lesson of like, what can we learn from our teachers, the maples and the, you know, wow. yeah. The chapter on witch hazel made me cry. Like it is such a beautiful book and it makes me want to like move to the mountains, slow down, plant a garden, 
give thanks for every single thing that I have, tend to the earth. Like, ugh, it is yeah. so beautiful and good and wonderful. I love it so much. <clears throat> that sounds great. It's a really phenomenal book. I can't wait to buy it because I'm borrowing it from my friend Christina right now. Thank you, Christina. You're the best and you know exactly what kind of books I like. I can't wait to buy it and just highlight the fuck out of it and just mark it up and have it all. Ugh. Remember when I was talking about the book, um, Women Who Run With Wolves? Yeah. This one speaks to my soul in the same kind of way. Okay. It's a very soul book. Wow. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. I was talking to Gigi about it a couple days ago. It's really great. Oh, man. <laughs> I love Gigi. <laughs> oh, man. Well. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. I love that. Me too. Go eat your burger. Oh, man. Yeah, I already kind of forgot. I'm still a little full from waffles, which is kind of a bummer, but I can power through it for a burger. I believe in you. I was talking the other day about how, like, if I had to only eat one thing for the rest of my life, it would be a burger. Like, I really relate a lot to Teddy and Do- in Bob's Burgers. Like, a lot sometimes, which is probably not the person that you are supposed to relate to in that show. But I kind of like that every single person, you're not really supposed to relate to them. <laughs> yeah. Because I relate to a combination of Tina and Linda. Mm. Um, See, I'm Teddy and Bob, so. I have a sprinkle of Jean in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, all those stereotypical Linda gifts, they really get me. <laughs> it is wine time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you that. Are, you are a combination of Teddy Bob. <laughs> 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 well. Anyway. This was great. This was really great. If you're still listening. Oh, man. You. Oh, man. Wow. You're a trooper. Thanks, and we appreciate you. You're just the best. If you are a listener and you have male children, read them books about females, please. And if you're a listener and you have friends, tell them about our podcast. That too. If you don't have friends, though, then, like, tough, I guess. But we can be your friends. We kind of already are your friends. That's true. We just, we just you, don't know. Your, your ear friends. You know it. We don't know it, but we'd like to know it. Uh, depending on if you're cool. I don't know. <laughs> really killing it. Do right. great, folks. It We're now 2021, it. and we are alive. Still alive. Which is so, huge. So actually huge. So big that. news. Um. Well, geez. I love this. My computer lasted the whole time. Sure did. I'm impressed. So good work. I also love this. I love you. I love I'm you. Filled with love. It's all great. I'm gonna go drink another beer. I think. I'm gonna go make another martini. Oh Enjoy your burger. Yeah. Thanks. Enjoy your teeny. Gonna. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. Yeah.